Welcome back to Sustainably Influenced, the podcast guiding you through the minefield of sustainability with your hosts, Bianca Foley and Charlotte Williams. Welcome back to Sustainably Influenced. Hello. Today is a very different episode. Yeah. First of all, it's our last episode of the season. Can you believe we're at the end of season five? No, it went so quickly. I know. So that's exciting slash sad. Bittersweet. Yeah, bittersweet. Um, but we decided to do an on-location episode today. Mm. So <laughs> we are heading, literally now, heading to the Grow Farm, which is an agroecological farm an outdoor learning hub at the Torturidge Academy in North London. And we're very excited. It was founded by George Lamb, which is very exciting because he doesn't know this. He doesn't know us, but I'm obsessed with his dad. Yeah, same. (laughs) (laughs) Which we will not bring up. But it's just really exciting to see someone so removed because George is from, we know him from TV world. Yeah. But... Yeah, he's created something really exciting. So we are very, very excited to put our boots on. Although we're both just wearing Converse, Converse today. <laughs> but um, put, our, put our Converse on and head down to the farm and see what yeah. it's all about. Really looking forward to this. Yeah, same. So we'll catch you at the farm. Um, we've been here for three years. It was our third birthday last week. Oh, amazing. Oh. Yeah. So it was an empty field when we started and we, yeah, since built all of this. So it's six acres in total and we have about two and a half acres under cultivation. Still looking a little bit, we're in the hungry gap now. So okay. it's kind of the period when the winter crops have finished and the new crops haven't come through yet. So like in like medieval times, people would be starving across Europe now. But obviously oh, so now it's we called the hungry time. It's called the hungry gap, yeah. <laughs> and so we've got all our new, new stuff has just started going out about two weeks ago, but it's too small to harvest. So mm-hmm. you've kind of got this gap in between. The, How long is the gap? It depends on the weather, but it's generally about three to six weeks, something like that. Oh, it's not like yeah. months? Well, but for if you're... So yeah, back in the day, it was obviously a massive issue. Yeah. yeah. Didn't have glass houses, didn't, didn't have like as much storage capability. We don't really notice it so much now because we don't actually eat seasonably as a country. So we're still eating courgettes and tomatoes and all that stuff. But obviously if you were just eating British produce, you'd basically be eating kale. (laughs) Kale and pickles, yeah. Two of my favourite things. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to (laughs) complain. We're kind of in the transition phase at the minute. So we've got lots of radicchio and kale, winter kale and purple sprouting broccoli and stuff that's just about to come out. And then everything's now being planted out. So this has just been all sown with seed. And in about a month, it'll start to look a bit summery. Fantastic. Um, This is a polytone. We call this the prop. So it's sort of propagation. So this is where everything starts. And we grow everything from seed apart from a few ornamental flowers and stuff everything starts from seed so we've got wow. we tomatoes and chilies in the middle these are all lettuces that'll be going out this week spring onion so these all, like, all then get planted from this point yeah so we oh, sow them in seeds here um, probably, yeah those are so those ones just got done this morning and then it takes about between like five days to two weeks for things to germinate and then generally it takes about a month for the baby plants to be ready to go out and then when they've like this they've got nice strong roots underneath okay and they come out in a little oh yeah like that then they're basically ready to go outside and we put them out there in what's called the hardening off area which is basically the bit outside the greenhouse (laughs) (laughs) and then they get used to the nighttime temperatures 
and then you plant uh, them out and then kind you. of water them in for the first couple of weeks and then we start harvesting so we do so salads like every three weeks all throughout the season and then we have like this mega mega spreadsheet that we do in winter every year so every sowing date is calculated and we know exactly how many seeds we need it's oh. possibly the biggest <laughs> oh we get we I get the biggest guy yeah we get some amazing bumblebees out here it's beautiful actually. but i'm yeah. so terrified oh he'll be fine don't worry they're actually really chill at this time of year healthy yeah that is a big fat bumblebee we have like 120 varieties of bumblebee in the uk oh wow don't quote me on that that might be wrong (laughs) but there's millions well not millions but there's loads and they all have different colored bums Mm. so we have we have loads of them here they really like it here oh that's nice to know considering that the bee population is declining i'm glad that there's plenty here yeah Yeah. no we do our ecosystem is quite happy here so that's the crop uh it always looks nice so we've got rainbow chard spring onions radishes leeks carrots lettuce parsley and then this is going to change over to flowers so this is all going to be flowers this year oh beautiful and then those are all our chilies in the pot we do like three or four plant sales over the year Um, amazing that's really cool and what is that open to the public yeah yeah we do they're really popular actually we did one last year and it was we sold out in like a few hours so we're doing three this year oh wow (laughs) and these are all our beds so we're starting to plant these out this week so there'll be one block will be full of courgettes and pumpkins and sunflowers one will be full of cabbage family so that'll be all kale turnips broccoli cabbages all sorts of good stuff one will be full of onions and leeks and stuff like that and then all these smaller beds on this side are all kind of more stuff that we do by hand so stuff that is a bit more delicate so we've got like broad beans rhubarb that's all planted out under those covers now baby plants these little strips in the middle we've just made this year that are wildflower strips so they're going to oh, all come oh, up nice. and so that's to encourage pollinators and then this winter we're going to plant trees into all of them as well so there's going to be yeah trees and, and wildflowers and that'll help with the drainage and all sorts the aim is to get everything in the ground before midsummer okay, okay. so um yeah it's always so it's just like go 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 so the produce, we sell it back to the canteen at a discount and then we're hopefully this year going to be supplying some other schools as well. So that's the kind of the Oh, the canteen in the school. The canteen in oh, the school, amazing. yeah. That's the longer term aim of what we'd like to do a lot more of. Mm. And set, we sell it at schools at a 20% discount, so it's the same as non-organic produce. Oh, um, wow, that's great. Yeah, and then we also run a box scheme. So we run a sliding scale payment box scheme. So okay. it's basically we have a small box and a medium box three varieties of vegetable and uh, large is five I think and then it's from May till November and you basically pay on direct debit and then you come and pick your veg up every week from the farm oh fantastic oh, I then, love that yeah so I it's like river food yeah. river, but you have to pick it up because it's yeah. carbon yeah. neutral <laughs> but you also we have a little farm store that you can buy eggs and plants and all sorts every week and it's on a sliding payment scale scheme <laughs> so if you consider yourself to be a higher earner you can pay an extra 20% okay. and that allows families on lower Low income to get it yeah, so we trialled it last year for 20 families and it was really popular. So we're oh, aiming wow. to do 50 this year. Mm-hmm. And then again, if it's popular, we'll just keep expanding out that way and keep growing. Okay. And then we also sell to restaurants and florists. So we still Local a bit, or? Well, sort of anywhere down into like Hackney, really. Okay. We have tried quite hard to sell around Barnet, but it's a bit more tricky. Okay. We do sell flowers around here, but mainly we go a bit further into town. Yeah. Um, but that means that we can just have more like wholesale stuff, which just gets us yeah. a bit of a bigger income. Yeah.
So for the farm we have community volunteering every Wednesday. So we have a big group of adults come 10 to 4. We feed them. You, you don't have to have any experience. Anyone can come and we just get everybody to help out on the farm. I, I've done a couple of those in oh, my have time you? in corporate. Not <laughs> oh, here, not but here. in the oh. corporate yes. world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where you go and end up having to paint something yeah, yeah, or like yeah. do the community really? skills. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I should have said, these are going to be our two big tunnels. So these soon will be big versions of that. So this will be oh, okay. all like tomatoes and chilies, okra, peppers. And that one will be cucumbers, uh, melons, all the fun stuff, basically. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. exotic. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know you could grow melons. Here. Melons actually grow. Good. You need indoor space, but you can grow more than you think. And we trialled okra last year, and it was good. So we're, okay. yeah, we're trying, trying to sort of branch out to some more Does culturally appropriate and a few different things. Okay. Does yeah. the soil matter? Um, is it? For melons, they're yeah. quite easy, really. They're just a cousin of a courgette. Oh, yeah, true. So, uh, <laughs> courgette's cousin. They're, yeah, that, that's what I always say to kids. And they're easier than you think, and okay. then you can train them up stuff. Oh, um, fantastic. There are some varieties that you can grow that okay. are bred to be more to our climate. Okay, yeah, fantastic. Have, have a go, have a go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we have that volunteering, and then some people come once or like they're between jobs or freelance and come a few times and we've got a couple of volunteers who've been every Wednesday for three years like without fail so it's a really nice little team then we have in the season we have trainees so Mm -hmm. it's funded every year so we're just recruiting for it we just did the interviews this morning so we have two paid positions for four days a week for six months of the year for 18 to 25 year olds from disadvantaged backgrounds farming is basically I think it's 99.8% white or something obscene and there's just like it's not very diverse it makes it just like not very representative and stuff so we're trying to address that and also getting just young people from different backgrounds as well because it tends to be a very small type of person that is a farmer and like it shouldn't be basically so we've done this will be our third year of trainees and they've been really successful and they get paid for six months to come and be on the farm so that's wicked yeah diversifying the farming industry exactly that's what we're trying to do because it's like why not? It's also the future. We yeah. actually need farmers. Exactly. So. And more places like this that we call like the peri-urban space is going to be really important mm. for local food systems. And, yeah, and there's like such potential for the green belt for food production that people aren't really thinking about. Yeah. So that's the adult farm side of it. And then obviously we have all our education. So we have loads of different groups. Our main charitable objective is working with children and young people who experience disadvantage or barriers to access to this kind of thing. So we don't do any like paid for sessions, they're all referred and funded because mm. then that basically means that the people who need it get it. Mm. So yeah, we have all sorts of after school clubs, drop down sessions, uh, which is when they come out of curriculum time, holiday programmes, all sorts. And then we have a few year 11s as well who aren't doing as many subjects who come out to us for a oh, couple of hours a week. Yeah, and then we're just developing, these beds on the right have just been built last week, which we're very excited about. So this area is the big project for this year. So this is going to be a more kid-focused area. Mm. So they can get involved in all this side, but obviously if you're growing for sale for 50 box schemes, you don't want the, yeah. <laughs> all the kids, uh, you know, <laughs> accidentally chopping all your, <laughs> all your veg down. So that's going to be more for them. And we're doing a project um, where we're working with families as well, so whole families. So 10 of those beds are going to be looked after by local families who are in contact with Universal Plus. So they're kind okay. of like families that need a bit of support and don't have an outdoor growing space. So we're doing sessions with them over the course of the six months mm. on nutrition, uh, food growing and cooking. And they'll be able to grow what they want like with our support. I'm excited about that.
Grow was established by George Lamb and it is a life skills education program that gives children the opportunity to interact with nature, teach them about nutrition and provide a sustainable source of food for schools and the local community. Today we're speaking with Lucy Gray, fundraising director at the Grow Farm in Totteridge, London. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about the day-to-day operations at Grow and what it is that you guys actually do there? Because I think a lot of people here farm and think of one thing because I'll be honest I did that myself when I went there. (laughs) Yeah of course. So Grow is a farm site which is next to the Totteridge Academy in Barnet and it's about six acres but we currently are cultivating and using about two-thirds of that space and we use it as a market farm, a running market farm. So we grow uh, vegetables, fruits, herbs and flowers And we have three part-time growers on the farm that work five days a week being able to grow the produce. We also use the site as our kind of educational hub where we run our programs. So those programs include after-school clubs, they include holiday programs, they include Grow Outdoors, which is sort of like a a 10 to 12-week program for a group of referred children. We also use the farm site for any kind of drop down visit so a school group could come and visit for a day and we would create kind of a schedule of activities for them but essentially the teachings of grow are to learn about sustainable food growing and outdoor learning so understanding the benefits of growing using agroecology principles and organic principles and really giving children from more urban setting the opportunity to feel like they're in the countryside because it definitely it's an urban farm that we're on and so it seems quite out of place within the wider Barnet kind of setting and we use the land to teach young people about how food is grown what food looks like how it benefits the soil how it benefits the bigger ecosystem we get kids to try loads of different foods smell touch taste dig get their hands dirty kind of have the benefits of being outside and connecting to nature and also learning about their place in the world and the environment. It is a really incredible setting and Charlotte and I went there recently and we were super impressed by it Mm -hmm. and you're right it is definitely an urban farm and as you're walking around I mean it's in a very nice green part of London anyway that you wouldn't think it's too out of place but when you see where it actually is and you're like oh this is right behind a school it's really the setting you think to yourself oh this wouldn't go here you would have thought mm. it was part of the school or the field or something but it's not it's a like a, a working farm and you mentioned something there agroecology when we were on the farm and we were having our tour we kept hearing agroecological we were given some insight to what it is so would you mind explaining what that actually means for the audience so that they can be as cleared up as we are <laughs> yeah sure what's quite important to note is that we not only use these principles on the farm we use it as part of all of our kind of educational programs and also as part of the ethos of the organization so for kind of staff to think about for how we make decisions on a charity basis so we try and keep all of these principles in mind for everything that we do, not just when we're growing and when we're planting and harvesting, etc. So essentially, agroecology is the practice by which farming can impact the world around us. Um, And there's 10 key principles. And these are the principles that we follow. So I'll just list them. And then I'll kind of pull out a few examples that tie in what we do and, and why it makes sense. 
So the principles are diversity in plants and people, education and co-creation of knowledge, synergies, efficiency, recycling, resilience, human and social values, culture and food traditions, responsible governance and circular economy. So for each of those, so diversity, for example, as farmers, we understand that nature loves diversity. We grow a a really diverse range of crops. And so that encourages biodiversity on the farm. And therefore, we're encouraging our customers of produce. So that includes children from schools that we supply. And then also we have a weekly veg box scheme and produce stall that happens weekly during the main season. So the local community can come and, and buy from us. And therefore, we're allowing them to enjoy a diverse diet. And we promote diversity on the farm as a whole and within the organisation. Education, that is obviously quite an obvious one for us because our programmes are are educational. Our farmers and facilitators work with students, teachers, volunteers and the local community to help shape the farm and all of our programmes, making it more resilient and relevant. Synergies, understanding that natural relationships is key to creating a healthy farm. For example, understanding that adding clover adds nutrients to the soil, so therefore we don't need artificial fertiliser. That's really interesting. Yeah. There's Uh all of these really interesting things that once you know, you're then taken out the choice of using fertilized artificial products goes out because you're finding the natural equivalent. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. And then understanding that wood chip, which we use a lot of on the farm, encourages fungi to grow. And then those fungi help feed the vegetables in the soil. That's so clever, because I was wondering, when yeah. we were, like, oh, why is there so much wood chip? So it's all really- they, everything has a, a role to play. Everything's really thought out. It's you know what the impact of doing that means and what that means for everything else. Yeah, sure. Efficiency. So we try to not you know we try to create as much as what we need on the farm, so we don't have to buy it. For example, we take leaf litter from the school maintenance team where we're partnered with, and we turn that into compost, and then selling our produce to families and staff so that they don't have to travel to buy their fresh produce they can buy it where they already are there that we're cutting those journeys down recycling is a really big one for us we turn the school food waste into compost and recycling nutrients we store rainwater on the farm and it's all about mirroring nature which wastes nothing everything has a purpose now that's incredible that makes so much sense and it, if anything it goes to show that everything's very very well thought out and that we as humans we come in and ruin it with our artificial versions of things when naturally in nature everything just happens and it everything has, has a reason and a place and a, a journey yeah definitely so yeah oh, sorry i will through resilience our local community is more resilient with us there we encourage resilience amongst our young people through our mindfulness and outdoor learning so generally as individuals we're teaching that like we're teaching about awareness and observation and building confidence in young people giving them an opportunity to do and learn about something that they wouldn't usually learn about. Human and social values. The farm is about all living things, which includes humans. And we aim to protect and improve livelihoods and social well-being through our education and community programs. So that's sort of like the, the fundamentals of what we do. Culture and food traditions. Our food goes straight into the canteen at the Totteridge Academy and to our subsidised veg box scheme and to local restaurants, 
which supports healthy eating habits and growing food that is accessible. Responsible governance, we aim to run everything at Grow from the farm to the lessons themselves using responsible and fair transparent systems. And then circular economy is about reconnecting consumers and buying, allowing people to buy food directly from the person that grows it, which again is something that's been really broken down and fragmented so much means that we're piloting creating local solutions that hopefully can be replicated on a global scale so the main thing that we're we're working on and thinking about is how schools and urban farms or farms and communities can all work together to create this really neat ecosystem in terms of education but also in terms of environmentally and sustainability wise and also supporting well-being in the local community and healthy eating habits. So those three things working together, which is really interesting, we think, and something that we believe can be elements taken from or actually duplicated in other areas. That would be the aim. Yeah, that's amazing, because we always say it, that sustainability comes down to education. Mm. This is why we really wanted to speak to you, Yeah, because we really do, we believe that wholeheartedly, and we see what your team is doing. So... I know that you work with the school and do outreach there and have the children come in, but what other projects and initiatives are there that you run in terms of education? And I think for children in communities who may not be able to actually come and access the farm, for instance, Mm. what is it that they can do in their home or in their classroom to further their knowledge about the future of farming? So we're just about to start a really exciting project actually called Grow, Cook, Share. And that for the first time for us is working with young people, but also their parents or their guardians and their wider family. So at the moment, we run programs for young people and empower them with the knowledge. But then when they go home and that the door shuts, it's difficult to measure or know how much they're able to kind of communicate that to their parents or to their siblings and how much they're able to impact changes in their home. There's a really lovely anecdote from one of the young people that has been on our program before that she asked for a compost bin for her birthday and her parents questioned her and thought are you sure that's really what you want and she was like yes because I've learned about it and I understand why it's important and I think we should be doing this at home and so yeah she got one for her birthday and that's a great example of us knowing that that education has seeped through into her family life and at home which is amazing but generally we don't know how much that communicates through. So Grow, Cook, Share is a programme working with 10 families in Barnet. And it's a programme of 20 sessions for over six months where all of the families get a a raised bed on the farm each and they get access to come and go as they please to the farm. And these are families that have been identified and referred to us from the local council as not having access to green space and having sort of relationship or communication breakdown needs within a family a program to repair family relationships and the sessions will be for the family as a whole but then there'll be some sessions just for the young people then some just for the parents or guardians and then sessions on nutrition and sessions on cooking and we'll be teaching them how to grow the food in their raised bed really led by what they want to grow kind of culturally, but things that they be excited to grow will be guiding them through and obviously providing all the equipment and maintenance to be able to make sure everything grows to a good standard and we'll be looking after the plants with them. 
And yeah, that's a really exciting program because that's the first time we've worked with whole families. And again, that's bringing new people to the farm, people that don't have gardens or outdoor spaces and inviting them to kind of use the farm as their own, which is really cool. We also do a lot of work with other subjects in schools. And at the moment, we're creating packages for other subjects. So within the Totteridge Academy, we encourage other subjects to come out to the farm and use the space. So that includes English literature, you know, kids coming out and doing creative writing outside, food technology during their seasonality module, of course, you know, where better to come out and learn about seasonality than on the farm. Um, science literally just go outside and literally yeah. I love that <laughs> science geography we believe that actually an outdoor growing space can support any subject and it's just about giving teachers the confidence to take that leap outside and give the young people an opportunity to be outside and to connect to nature and learn in a different way so those are packages that we're working on that then hopefully we can share with other schools in the future. And that's not assuming schools are going to have this big six acre field, but we believe any small growing space or even any outdoor space can be used to enhance learning. So we work on that a lot. And then we running a program with four local primary schools and that's called Learning from the Land. And what we've done at those schools is set up outdoor growing areas in each of their outdoor spaces that they have there and empowering those teachers to be able to start to run sessions about food growing. We're facilitating the first part and then we're going to be passing on to the teachers there, which is a great sort of like legacy piece. But it's really interesting working with primary school children and then also secondary school children because they've just got different appetites and different I was going to say it must be really different because they're just different age groups and different understandings and yeah it's it's another really important thing is that we have like wellies and outdoor jackets that we are able to supply for anyone that visits the farm because as soon as there's a barrier you know well I, I can't get my trainers dirty or I'm not going on there soon as there's a barrier that gives people the opportunity to feel kind of fearful of the outdoors or the farm or the mud or the dirt. So we always make sure that we can offer something for everyone to wear who might not have access to that sort of stuff. So we're always like, don't worry, don't worry about your trainers. We've got wellies. And they're like, oh, great. And then, <laughs> but it's typical as soon as they're out there. They're having you, a great time. Yeah. You give them the opportunity to take themselves somewhere on the farm and think about you know it's led a lot by them and Mm. so for them to query things or question what things are and then instantly then there's a conversation to be had about it that's fantastic it's clear that sustainable farming has come on leaps and bounds over the past sort of generation I want to say because yeah as much as it's more it's become more modern recently and I think there's a, a lot of people that are moving away from traditional their nine to fives or their corporate or city lives and moving to go and start farms and all sorts of things but I think over the past generation there's been a huge change and my question to you is what can be done to further grow that engagement with sustainable farming because it's about how people are engaging with farming is what I want to know about more. I certainly don't have all the answers (laughs) I wish I did Um, (laughs) but I think for us it's about educating on a local level, on a community level, and using schools as a crux as well, because where do kids spend most of their time in schools? And so that, it seems like a perfect setting. And also, you know, the bigger question and conversation around school dinners and school lunches 
and over however many tens of years, how everyone knows how rubbish they are, school food is. And yet it's just one of those things that just kind of gets accepted. It's funny, isn't it? It's something that we all, when we're in school, we just think about it. We know how bad it is. There's no way for you to change it. So Mm. initiatives like this give kids the tools to be able to make that change. Exactly. So the kids at Totteridge Academy, they are so lucky that they get to eat produce that is picked that morning or the day before in their meals. And and for a lot of parents at the school, there was one of the reasons why they send their kids to that school. Oh, really? No, that's fantastic. Oh, God, yeah. Grow and the concept of Grow and the opportunities that Grow provides in terms of for everyone in terms of our school clubs, lunch clubs, all of that stuff is a huge reason why people want to send their kids to that school because and it also gets incredible grades and it's got an amazing SLT but what's really interesting is you can tell that it's of interest and people want to know more about it because it's such an important crux to the school and what we did that takes time and a lot of hard work is we cut out basically we we got out of the contract with the main school food company so it's the only academy within I think over 150 academies that is man, that is at, got out of their contract. So that means that they were able to source their own produce. So they were able to start using produce from Grow and buying produce from Grow, as well as other amazing sources. And not only has it improved the amount of people that want to buy school lunches, because schools worry about financially what's the best thing, how can they make money from school lunches. And so to be in these bigger contracts with these big procurement companies is easier and make knows it makes money but equally because when you're buying in a large quantity you're going to get a discount and yeah yeah exactly but we proven with our chefs and our model that more people will want to have school lunches so therefore you're already going to make more money because it's more appealing you're making smarter choices about where food comes from and so therefore the journeys are shorter and our chef at our school is able to pick produce from the grow farm which is you know 100 yards away that's like what the top restaurants do and have their own market gardens and this chef in the school has that but I would suggest use schools and community as kind of don't put pressure on them because they've got sustainability goals that they need to uphold but also support them in those choices and maybe reach out to local farms and find out what they grow and when and how and is there a relationship to be had there not just for um, sourcing produce but also for taking educational trips there and having an ongoing kind of relationship with the farm because there's no reason why your farm or your school or your community can't be the first people to be doing something and even if it's just that you know that there's a farm down the road that does amazing asparagus even if it's just saying we're going to commit to buying asparagus from this farm that's down the road each year And we might use it in in three days in the year, but that still is sending a message and that's still creating, giving. And then there's a story to be told. Why are you doing that? Because it's important for the environment to source locally and then chip away at different things from your menu and try and take leaps where you can and get the community involved, get parents involved, get the young people involved, start food growing. As I say, in a raised bed, you can do it in a wheelbarrow, you know, start some food growing project that gives you the space to talk about why that it's important and then to encourage people to kind of do that in their own 
consider those things in their own time and in their own homes and in their own lives. That's fantastic. I think that's a great place for us to end. So thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you. Oh, well, that was a great day. Yeah, it was really fun, actually. I really enjoyed looking around and getting to know more about what it is that they do. Yeah, we've not done that before. This is the first time we've done like a IRL on the ground. Yeah. (laughs) So I really enjoyed it. And I'm thinking next season, maybe we do more. Yeah. Logistically, let's see if we can make it work. But yeah, (laughs) we can make it work. We can make it work. (laughs) But yeah, thank you so much for joining us for not only this episode, but this season of Sustainably Influence. We have really, really enjoyed this. It's been different. We've been in the studio. So that is just... It's been really, really... A different experience. Yeah, it's been... I think for me, I've really enjoyed recording in a studio. And I've liked our new format this season as well. Yeah. With looking at articles and each of us taking ownership of a different topic. I think it's really encouraged both of us to study essentially and get our knowledge up. So I I feel a lot better this season. I feel like we're becoming experts quote unquote I guess slowly 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 slowly. (laughs) but yes over the next four weeks we won't be disappearing completely starting next week there'll be four episodes coming weekly until the next season of sustainably influenced starts and they are from my sustainable Saturday series that I've been doing over the past year so tune in next week to listen to the first one and that's a goodbye for me. And goodbye uh, from and goodbye from me <laughs> <laughs> for the next four weeks. Well, yeah. they'll be hearing you. Yeah. But for the next four weeks, and we'll yeah, we'll catch up with you soon. Yeah. Bye. Bye.